affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from Luke chapter 24, verses 28 through 36. As they came near the village to which they were going, Jesus walked ahead as this feed were going on. But they urged him strongly, staying, saying, stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was walking, talking to us on the road while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. This is God's word to God's people.
Now, the scripture that Kathy read for us this morning is an excerpt from the Road to Emmaus story. And for those of you who want to know, the Road to Emmaus story is actually a page and a half long. And we decided not to read it because I thought that if we did that, we might end up hearing the scripture and not getting much of a sermon. Um, So I will give an overview of what happened prior to that um, as we lead into the scripture that was read for us. The road to Emmaus is about seven miles long, and two travelers who had been in Jerusalem all week had experienced the triumphant entry, had experienced the overturning of the tables, had heard about the Last Supper, maybe even had been a part of it, had seen Judas' betrayal, had seen the crucifixion on the cross, and had heard word that Jesus had risen were returning to their hometown. And as they were walking, they were reflecting on all that had happened and all that had transpired that week. Once again, similar to last week, this is happening just hours after the resurrection, and they are still trying to wrap their heads around what had happened and how God was making new things come to life. They were probably still a little doubtful, wondering what was going to happen. And they were in the midst of reflecting on all that they had experienced. When a stranger comes up to to them, who clearly had been in Jerusalem too, but had acted like he knew nothing about what they were talking about and the sadness in their voice. These two were so intense in their conversation that the words that the authors of the text use in the original text use the word homileo, which is the same word that we use for homiletics or preaching, because their conversation was an intense discussion. And they were really focused on getting into what all that happened could possibly mean for them, to them, and for their future. So this individual comes up and asks what happened. And they're like, how could you have missed it? How do you not know of all of the things that have transpired over the last week? And they account moment by moment what they experienced and what they're wondering about how things can go on from there. And this individual begins to share other memories. Memories from their heritage, from their tradition. Memories from the Old Testament. He spoke about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He related stories of Saul and David and Solomon. He, disclo- or he disclosed memories about Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. He spoke of achievement and disappointment, banishment and renewal, faith and unfaith. As this third traveler explained and remembered, the two remembered what they had not forgotten. It says in the scripture that their hearts were on fire, but they didn't recognize who this traveler was. And then they got to a decision point. They got to the point where they had to choose how they were going to respond. They had arrived at their village We don't know how long the walk could have been. I posited with other groups that if you were a marathon athlete, you could probably do it in a relatively quick amount of time. If you're a a moseyer, it would probably take you two and a half to three hours. And 
who knows? So they probably had a good course of time that they had to spend together. And they got to the point that Jesus started to walk away. And they said, no, we are taught that we're supposed to be hospitable. It looks like you have further to go on your journey. Why don't you come and rest at our house? Why don't you come and have a meal with us? And we will offer you shelter for the night. This was the decision point for these two travelers. If they had chosen a different path, they would not have experienced what had come next. But instead, they remembered. They remembered the examples of their forefathers and offered refuge. And because of their hospitality, they had the opportunity to sit and eat, to see the bread lifted up, offered to God, and be broken. And in the moment that that bread was broken, they went, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. How did we miss that all along? And immediately Jesus was gone. And they looked at each other and said, wasn't your heart on fire as he was talking about the scripture? Weren't you in awe of the things that he knew and the ways that he tied what scripture says to the events that we experienced this last week and how they all come to culmination in this last week? How could we have missed it? And the first thing they do, we gotta go tell our friends. We gotta go make sure that the apostles know that we have seen the risen Lord. We have to make it known. And my guess is that as they hightailed it back to Jerusalem, it was probably that hour journey as opposed to that three hour journey that it was prior to that because they were excited, they were alive, they had good news to share. And the first thing they hear as soon as they walk into the room is the disciples saying, we've seen the risen Lord. If Warren was one of those two that was on the road that day, he would go, you just stole my thunder because I was going to tell you the same exact thing. Jesus appeared to me and it was amazing. What great news. And the the next thing that happens is that Jesus appears to them and says, peace be with you. There's such richness in this scripture, in this text about telling us about what it means that our God walks with us, our God teaches us, offers us transformation, insight, and understanding of our memories. St. Augustine is quoted as saying, the teacher was walking with them along the way, and he himself was the way. Because they observed hospitality, him who they knew not in the expounding of the scriptures they suddenly knew in the breaking of the bread. This reminds me that Jesus, who is our way, walks with us as well. Jesus says to us, I want to be with you on your journey, whether it's figuratively on a travel or a trip, or literally as on a journey on a travel or a trip, or figuratively as you are exploring some new aspect of your faith and how God is calling you into the future. There are lots of journeys and pilgrimages we can take. One journey that was profound to me was my walk to Emmaus. And I'll be honest to you, when I was told I was going on a walk to Emmaus, I wasn't expecting to sit around as much as I did. (laughs) But I did spend time in scripture 
learning more about my heritage as a person of faith, what God's grace meant to me and how I was called to move forward. And I was reminded on that walk as I rem- uh, that God has a path for me. We have several people within our congregation who would be happy to talk to you about the walk to Emmaus if you want to know more about it. I know some of them are skedaddling out of here relatively quickly because that community is, is a community that creates great bonds, and today they're celebrating the life of a loved one this afternoon. So they might not be here after service today, but if you want to know more, they would be happy to sit down and talk to you at any point about the walk to Emmaus, which is one of those figurative journeys and walks of faith where we get to know God better. But there's also literal trips that we can take. Many within our congregation have traveled to the Holy Lands to experience Capernaum, to experience Jerusalem, to see where the Sermon on the Mount may have been delivered, to walk where Jesus walked, to feel like you were that close to God and what God was teaching, to see the communities in which he he gave his first sermons can't imagine what it's like, but I can tell you that after our Lenten study, I really want to go. I want to go so bad. I'm ready to go. And for those of you who aren't ready for trips for the Holy Land, some people take trips to England to walk in the footsteps of our founder, John Wesley, to learn about his heritage from when he started with just a head knowledge of what God was like. He was really well-versed in scripture. And then you can experience the place where he had his heart strangely warmed. Go to Aldersgate and see the room where God transformed his life and re-energized his ministry to bring about what he was expecting, a revival of his church, but a new denomination that lives lives filled with grace and expounds upon that so that others might experience God's grace on their journey as well. But there's one journey that speaks to my heart that I long to go on. As a matter of fact, Warren and I were training to go on this journey just about the time that we found out that we were pregnant. And we discovered that doing a 485 mile walk was not the best plan pregnant. (laughs) Or with infants, once you know that they're twins. Um, So we put that walk on hold. But I have hopes of doing it someday when I can wrap my head around the the idea of leaving the twins for longer than a week, longer than two weeks, because if it's 485 miles, it's gonna take about a month to do. I am open to the idea of doing a portion of it, but Warren is adamant we're gonna do the whole thing. (laughs) So can anyone guess what this walk is? No, no, I'm not doing the Pacific Trail. That's too hard for me. Good try. I want to do the Camino de Santiago in the north of Spain. It's a walk that really can start from anywhere that you want it to. Some people say the walk starts from their back door. But with the fact that it being in Spain, that doesn't work so well for us because we have a plane trip that we need to take. Some people start the journey from Paris. Most people start the journey from a city in the southwest of France walking over the Pyrenees and across Spain to get to the city of Santiago de Compostela, where it is believed that the body of St. James is buried. St. James shared the gospel and the good news throughout that region, and that is his final resting place. And people make that journey, that pilgrimage, 
to learn, to study, to reflect. And oh, the opportunity to walk. That might sound funny. Some of you might be going, I'm not looking forward to an opportunity to walk. But having that moment of getting out of the normal pace of life, having the opportunity to to break up the to-do lists and the everythings that must be done to instead just move. And in the process of moving, allowing your mind to go to God, allowing your mind to let the concerns of your heart and the things that are most deeply rooted in you percolate up so that you and God can be in conversation as you walk and journey along that path. But the amazing thing is, is that it's, while it's an individual walk and everybody walks for themselves, you establish a community along the way. You encounter people as you stop night by night at different locations. Some people you meet for a night, some people you end up journeying with along the way. And they have an impact on your lives because as you walk, as you sit down and break bread together, as you share your heart with one another, truths come out about you, for you, for them. Gospel says where two or three are gathered in his name, he is present. And I think that God appears to to travelers on this journey because they have allowed themselves to be open to the experience. They have said, we're going to accept hospitality and we're going to extend hospitality to others in such a way that we might see God in this place. There's a movie about the way, or about the Camino de Santiago called The Way. It came out in 2010. Uh, It was written and directed by Emilio Estevez and stars his father, Martin Sheen. It's the story of a father who lives in this general Ventura County area and uh, receives a phone call one day while he's out on the golf course that his son Daniel um, died on his first night on the Camino. The father, Tom, overwhelmed with his grief, hops on the plane, not sure what he's going to do, but knows that he's going to at least take a few weeks off from work. He starts asking questions. Well, why does he have this backpack? What is this for? What are they doing? And the, the officer who notifies him and meets him tells him about the Camino, talks about the, the trek that is going to be made and the journey that, that Daniel was hoping to complete. And Tom, on the spur of the moment, decides that he wants to take that final journey for his son. And along the way, he carries his son's ashes and spreads the ashes so that his son truly can experience the Camino and be a part of the Camino with him. Now, Tom was very set in his life. The last time that he had had a face-to-face conversation with his son was as he was driving him to the airport. And their conversation hinged on a topic of, you live your life, you can't choose your life. And over the course of that journey, Tom learned how to live his life. But he learned it by meeting some, some, a motley crew of friends along the way. People that he had no interest in spending time with, but somehow they ingratiated themselves to him, and they became like family. He met Joost, a beloved Dutch man who was trying to lose weight, 
but stopped at every restaurant along the way to have lamb shank or delicious cheese. He met Sarah, who was struggling with some inner demons and swore that she was on the Camino to quit smoking. And then they met Jack, who was an author who had lost his spark. He could find no energy or enthusiasm about what he was writing, could not find anything inspirational in his life around him. And as they traveled together, as they got to know one another, as they got into arguments, as, as life happened around them, they all came to awareness about themselves and who they were. Tom, while he thought he was fulfilling his son's final wish, was actually learning about himself and the life that he chose, or the life that he lives. Yost learned to accept himself as he was and to not worry so much about what others said about his weight. Sarah learned about forgiveness, forgiving herself and forgiving others. Jack gained his spark, received his muse, and had the inspiration to write again. Jesus doesn't always tangibly show up as well as he did for the disciples on the road to Emmaus. But as individual stories are told, as we share of ourselves, as we break bread together, Jesus appears in acts of hospitality, in the meals that we eat and the lives that are shared. Jesus walks among us, meets us on our journey, not only being the way, but accompanying us on the way. He meets us in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our heartache, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our fears. He meets us in the midst of our disbelief and our doubt, but he also meets us in our longings and our hopes. He meets us in our joy and our wandering. Jesus meets us to help illuminate the past, to help us to remember. So the past might give us revelation, so that the present might give us new reality and new hope, and the future gives us promise. And he meets us so that we might experience a peace that we would not have otherwise. Praise God for that. We remember who Jesus was, what he went through for us, that he met the men on the road to remind and remember. He offered transformation and he offered peace. As we walk with God this day and always, I hope we remember these stories, how scripture gives us hope and promise, that we remember the invitation to give and receive hospitality, and that we are transformed by the experience, and that we want to go and share that news with others so that others might experience the peace as well. Amen?